Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy. Welcome back to another episode of We're All a Little Crazy. I'm your host, Eric Houston, along with my co-host, NHL great Theo Fleury. And as We're All a Little Crazy is a podcast that finds that intersection between what's happening with current events and then mental health, there's a big current event piece that has happened in our society, right? You might say it's segmented, but I really think this impacts way beyond just the segment that you're going to hear about in a second, and that's NIL. NIL stands for Name, Image, and Likeness. Uh, it, if I had to break it down in simplistic terms, it's college athletes getting paid, getting paid for things like autographs, getting paid for things like appearances, getting paid for things like the size of their social media channels. How did we arrive there? You look at an, an organization like the NCAA, it was a $20 billion a year business. And so for a long time, there's been this talk about, well, these athletes are the ones who are helping drive this revenue. They're the faces and the names of this stuff. And when the NCAA first formed, did, did the NCAA look at it like it was going to be this big business where they tried to protect the athletes? What was the rationale behind why it was formed the way it was formed? And I think because of so much money now being generated by the NCAA, there's been more and more upward pressure. So on June 21st, our Supreme Court made a decision ruling against the NCAA because the NCAA was trying to block this from happening, was trying to stop players from getting paid. And that opened up the floodgates. Uh, a lot of companies are now in this space because there's compliance and there's ways to set up the deals and there's mid-tier sponsors versus larger sponsors trying to get in it. So when Theo and I and Darren, right, this is a topic, right, Theo, that Darren loves talking about NIL. He's been on and on his Twitter uh, uh, nonstop for the last week. Um, too bad he couldn't make it for this one, but certainly consulted with him on it, is finding a guest who would be a great fit because they played big-time college sports. They then went on to play in the pros where they got paid, but at the time that they played in college, they weren't getting paid, and they played alongside guys who, or could have been women who, were at the top of the game in college in terms of overall, let's call it awareness, and would have been making a lot of money. So the guest today, fifth round pick by the Steelers in 2001, wins a Super Bowl with the Steelers uh, in 2006, uh, is on the offensive line with Big Ben, meaning Ben Roethlisberger, who dominated in the MAC, right? Would have been one of these players who was getting endorsement deals coming his way, money coming his way if this was in place when he played. I'm talking about someone who was a four-year starter um, for uh, the Purdue Boilermakers under Joe Tiller, who a man we're going to hear about in a second. He loved as a coach. Um, and the guy that he played center for in college was Drew Brees, yet another guy who 
you know, you look at the stats that Drew Brees put up, it's just unbelievable, both in the NFL, but even playing at Purdue and the amount of records that he broke, it, it's just incredible. So he would have been making a ton of money as well. And so the guy that I'm talking about is, is a guy who's a member of our Same Here Alliance. He's also a mental health practitioner, a neurolinguistic programmer. He just knows a ton. We love him as a person. So Chucky Kobe. So welcome to the show, Chucky. It's always a pleasure to connect with you guys. So uh, I just appreciate being here for sure. Of course, man. And, and you know, I look at you and Theo together, right? And, and thinking of the two of you next to one another, you got, I just gave your background and the fact that you played big time college sports, which then led to an opportunity to play in the pros. Theo, if you want to give us a little bit of the path, if you don't mind, the average hockey player, I mean, I mean we're friends with Jim Dowd, right? Who is known as playing high school hockey in New Jersey and then playing for the New Jersey Devils. But but give the average path of a hockey player, Theo, if you don't mind, in terms of not going to college, what do they do? They're, they're playing club team and then it goes where? Yeah. Well, you, you play, you play minor sports, you know, like, uh, you know, pop Warner football. Right. <clears throat> and then, uh, and you know, I was drafted into the Western hockey league at 14. So, when you're 14, you're eligible to be drafted into the Canadian Hockey League. And so there's three uh, different leagues. There's the Western Hockey League, there's the Ontario Hockey League, and then there's Quebec Hockey League, which produces 65% of all NHLers. This league produces about 65%. And so um, uh, when I was 16, uh, I entered the Western Hockey League and uh and we got paid uh to play but you know basically it was gas money that's all it was um mm -hmm. and you're also not going to college at this time that you're playing theo right well, so we're, we're, we're finishing high school is what we're doing right which you know uh which i you know i find interesting that you know we're talking about college athletes getting paid because once you get paid you don't give a flying fuck about school anymore right you know so it's uh it, it'll be interesting to see you know how this all plays out and then you know from the western league uh you're draft eligible at 18 uh i didn't get drafted in my first year i got drafted in my second year of eligibility and and then uh you know, went to my first training camp, signed my first pro contract, and then, you know, the rest is basically history. So, so you know, 65% whereas... of NHL players come from that league, which means they're not playing college sports comparatively no. to where we're talking about with Chucky, right? So, Chucky, yeah. knowing your story, you get recruited by two schools where your main schools or how, how many schools were, were really looking at you seriously from a scholarship perspective? I only had one offer, which okay. was from Purdue. And one head coach one offer the the head coach at purdue was jim coletto at that time he gave me he offered me a scholarship in 96 which i accepted and then he left and joe tiller came in 97. the big thing you know when you think back to then is that getting the scholarship was the prize as a college as a high school athlete that's what you were looking to do i mean to me I'm looking at, you know, people on TV, the Danny Werfels, the, the Charlie Wards, the Tommy Frazier's, and those guys were big stars and all of them, again, getting into NIL, I can only imagine what players like that would have been, would have been, uh, been able to attract for themselves in terms of opportunities. You know, back then, 
to me, you know, just being on scholarship, not having to worry about, you know, if I pay, if I have enough money on my card to pay for lunch or, you know, wondering, you know, if I'm going to be able to afford tuition next semester, these things were eliminated. And to, to me, they, there's a lot of value there. There's, there's definitely something you're getting something, you know, but Chuck, you know, but Chuck you dive into that because for the average person who doesn't understand a college scholarship on the, on the sports side of things for a second, right? Because so many of the stories and, and Darren talks about this as ad libs, right? When he talks about it in, in terms of how the reporters talk about it, that they're like, poor kid comes from an underserved community, you know, uh, couldn't make ends meet, needs to be able to send money back home, right? And th and that's a story, the picture that gets painted. If you take the family out of it just for a second, right? And I, I, I'm not denying that's a big piece, but you take the family out of it for a second. If, if I'm, on, I'm hearing you correctly, from a scholarship perspective, as a scholarship athlete, you, Chucky, or player XYZ, male or female, from the scholarship that you're getting, you feel that you are taken care of for your basic needs on campus. Is that a fair statement? Well, bottom line is you wouldn't be uh, uh, registered in this institution if you didn't have some value to offer them. And so it's everything is just it's cause and effect. It's an exchange between the individual, the athlete who is performing a service. And to me, it's, it sounds funny, even as I say it right now, to call sports a service. But when you think about how much that sports means to the community and what it adds to the community in terms of energy, in terms of culture, in terms of spirit, and in terms of money, yeah, I'm performing a service. And in exchange, I get to go to the school, this renowned, you know, globally famous institution, and be able to reap the benefits of those that would have to pay thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. Do you feel like you're good? Like, like as Chucky's costs on a day-to-day -day basis? Do you feel like what the uh, what the university is giving me, meal plan, room, board, what have you? Like, I, I you didn't feel pressure outside. Obviously, it's nice to have a nice car and look cool and stuff like that. But in terms of basic needs, do you feel like they were covered from what you were getting from the scholarship? Yes, absolutely. And the thing is it all comes down to what story am I telling about what I'm experiencing? So if I sit here, I can look at the picture. I'm a, I'm a big 10 athlete. Okay. It's only at that time, there's only 11 schools. You know, even if you look at it today, the power five and however many, you know, the select amount of institutions that you could potentially attend at that level. So right there, that's something I'm, I'm there. I get, you know, I started four years. So I was dressing, I was traveling, I was getting, to experience this. I was on television at 18. And so all these different things, I'm getting so many things. So that's the picture. That's the story I'm telling. What ends up happening when you go back to, oh, how the media portrays things. Oh, this kid comes from nothing. That ain't, for, that ain't he ain't talking about the kid. He's, all they're doing is trying to trigger your emotions so that they can sell you a story. Most people forget that the media is entertainment. And not only that, they're going to tell you a story. Whoever wrote it is one human being with one perspective. And they get to choose how they feed the story to you. And so at the end of the day, the story's not right, it's not wrong. There's obviously elements of fact in it. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that's all that's happening. And not only that, to me, if I'm in college, I got a scholarship, I get to play in the Big Ten. They've given me an opportunity to make my dream of an NFL come true. That means something. But I can easily tell the picture of all the things I don't have right now. And so if I keep saying I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have, well, they made all this money. We played 
in in the in the Sugar Bowl, what did I get? Again, focusing on what I don't have. What you got was to play in a game that will be in the history books for the rest of your existence and beyond. I'm and laughing, Chucky. I'm laughing as you're saying this because obviously I see Theo shaking his head like in agreement. Mm-hmm. And I and I, you know, Theo and I have worked together long enough to be able to read each other's brains when we see this stuff. But like my mind goes to okay, the college gave you all these things. Let's say social media was around when you played. Let's say, Theo, you played college, social media was around when you played. Guess what? Even if you didn't get paid in college, what you would have built in social media, and then you didn't even have that big of a pro career, Theo, what you're trying to do with helping people with your uh, coaching career right now, how much bigger would your social media following have been based on the platform that you're getting from playing at that college, right? And I know that this show, we didn't want to, when we get into this, argue, should NIL have been passed, should NIL not have been passed? We're, we're getting past it. We're having the conversation now that NIL is here, right? What, what are the implications from a mental health standpoint? But I wanted people to at least have that background as a starting point because I do want people to know that, you know, as someone who played college sports, granted I was a walk-on, but and I, and I played in an Ivy League school where you can't get, <laughs> couldn't get scholarships for sports. Um, but, you know, to hear Chucky's perspective, to hear Theo opine on Chucky's perspective, it's just interesting way to look at it and say, are people pointing out purposely what you don't have to be a sob story? Theo, you were going to add something. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm in the, you know, I work with a lot of sexual abuse victims. Right. And when all the Penn state stuff out and uh, the uh, Michigan stuff with the uh, gymnastics program, you know, the, the only thing that happens during that thing is everybody's in denial right away. Why? Cause they're, protecting the money they know the money's going to go away if there's a huge scandal i can't remember what penn state football got from nike 20 million or something crazy or something like that right and as soon as the story came out you know nike you know pulled out of that sponsorship and that opportunity and 20 million dollars for a college university program is big but big bucks you know it takes you from an elite power uh, to be able to recruit players to, you know, just your average, uh, program. So, uh, you know, there, there's good, bad, and indifferent, uh, you know, by providing athletes the opportunity to, you know, make money off their name, which, you know, I think in some way, certain ways, you know, they're, they, they should be, you know, uh, but, you know, Chucky gave a great perspective as to why, you know, they they maybe not, you know, should be entitled to. And to even, even you know, Theo, even with the maybe not, because I'm going to read some stats here, some of the deals that happened in this first week of NIL, is it's here. Whether 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 we believe it should happen or not, it's here. And 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 as people who talk about mental health on a daily basis and have a camaraderie with each other, we see these campuses having consultants come on talking about compliance and 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 we don't see them talking about what's going to be the mental health impact of this major transition and change so let me just give three deals quickly from this first week so you have hersey miller who's an incoming freshman basketball player at tennessee state signs a deal to become a brand ambassador for web apps america which is a tech company committed to supporting historically black colleges and universities for okay get ready for this two million dollars a year now you've probably never heard of hersey miller but for the fact i know chucky has because he's worked in the music space 
he his father is Master P. Okay, so they're paying for access, right? Let's be honest with that. In that case, because of the the close connections there. Okay, so that's one. Second, uh, Miami quarterback to Eric King and defensive end Bubba Bolden both partnered with College Hunks Hauling and Junk and Moving, <laughs> so a moving company, a deal that will make each of them, okay, now this sounds like pennies compared to the other deal, but this is still a significant amount of money for a college kid in the first week of doing this, $20,000 each, okay? Next deal, the Cavender Twins, okay, who were put up in Times Square, they're these TikTok sensations, so, so now a little bit of a different angle on this getting paid because of how big of a, of a social media following they have. Um, so Fresno state basketball players, uh, day one, they signed a number of different deals, but they signed one with boost mobile. Uh, that's, that's gained the most attention, a five figure deal. They didn't release the exact amount. Um, and they believe through the social media channels they have, these twins can bring in 3 million this year. Okay. So with that context right there, right, and I just named a couple of people, a basketball player, right, um, who's going to be a freshman. So we don't know. Maybe he's going to start. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's going to be the star of the team. Maybe he's not. We know in, in, in King's case in Miami, he is a starting quarterback, right? We know in the case of the Cavender Twins, they're high profile in terms of their social media following. So there's a, an interest in them at least. First question I think we need to attack is because of the change that's happening here, Knowing that some players are going to get paid, whether it's $2 million, some of these top players, whether it's $50,000, the $20,000 we were talking about with the Hunks deal, and then there's going to be some players that are going to pay, be paid nothing, okay, or are going to be looking that, at this, because I don't know if you guys have seen it. I've seen it on social media already where you see the lineman, and he puts out a tweet, and he's like, I'm ready if someone wants someone, want, you know, I'm here and available, right? It's like they're 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 putting themselves out there, but they're not getting deals, you guys have played in team sports and in locker rooms your entire life. Let's go to, you know, Theo, in your case, the amateur situation. Let's start with you, Chucky, in the college situation. What, how would the dynamic have changed between you and other players, plural, on the team, knowing that some are getting paid more, some are getting paid less, some are getting paid none through these deals? Well, I think the biggest thing is it's going to create a dynamic of the haves and the have-nots. And so, you know, in the professional sense, and, you know, Theo dealt with the same thing at the NHL level, is you have different people living different types of lives. You've got, you know, when I first got drafted uh, to the Steelers, I'd never been on a team of any sort where somebody was 10 years older than me. <laughs> you know, I never experienced that until I got to the, to the league. And so, to me, obviously, we're all, the big thing for us when we were in college, we're all living the same life. We're living in the same dorms and apartments, go sitting in the same classes, chasing the same girls. We were all even. Then we get drafted, and then, like, you know, I had three offensive linemen teammates for my senior year that played for New England, right? Now, Matt Light, love Matt Light to death. Can't say nothing negative about any of these guys. I love them like my family. And the thing is, Light was a different caliber of NFL player than you know brandon and gene and so all of a sudden these are people we were all the same ones and in different aspects there began there became a separation it's a different lifestyle so all of a sudden you know these people coming in especially a freshman you know what's his incentive to become aligned with his teammates when coming in he's already been singled out as being you know better special and we're talking about children here p 
people who don't know what they don't know. They don't have enough life experience to really get you say singled out just to be clear it's for everyone. Like you're giving an example of the high school quarterback who is ballyhooed somewhere in a big time college area in the country gets drafted. And now everyone's like Tennessee starting quarterback, Alabama starting quarterback. Wow. Now the spotlight's on that kid. Yeah. Now everybody's looking at him. And so we don't even know, like Hersey Miller, you know, disrespect to him or anybody else who's gotten these type of opportunities. But I think you said it. We don't even know if he's going to be any good. We don't know. We know he was good in high school, and that's what he got, gave him the opportunity to play in college. But how many people have, have you seen who made it to a certain level, whether it be college or professional, and their promise never came to fruition? Now, all of a sudden, these companies who gave him $2 million, they're sick, they might be second-guessing themselves if, it, if the, what they perceive is going to be the benefit for them, the company, may not pan out that way so what what do you do what, what happens when they start taking these contracts away from these kids because they're not playing as well as they thought they would they're not producing the return that they thought they would and not only that you know just again bringing up the sponsors the big thing that people are missing is we always think about oh yeah if, if i was playing college sports i would want to get paid but that's not what's ha- what's happening here if this web x or whoever these people in tennessee that gave miller the money if they can pay him $2 million a year, what are they getting? What are they getting out of this deal? And so to me, you realize this is just an opportunity. They're giving more access to companies to exploit and take advantage of what these kids are doing. And so to like, you know, the one that killed me, and this is a professional thing, so I don't, definitely don't want to go too deep into this, but being here in Kansas City, when I looked at, at Patrick Mahomes, outstanding football player, deserves everything he's has. But he gets a contract for half a billion dollars. And people are like, whoa, $500 million. I'm just like, what is the league getting out of this that they can pay somebody that kind of money? You know, they're not doing it because they think Patrick Mahomes is cute. Okay. There's a reason why they're putting 500 million behind them. And so there's a reason why they're putting 2 million behind Miller. There's a reason why they're putting this money behind Fresno State basketball. This whole thing doesn't benefit the players like you think because with twenty dollars $20, is not going to change that kid's life long term unless he does knows exactly what to do with it which most people don't what i what i really want to dive into with both of you what i find interesting and it's it's deep it's a deeper level of what you just shared because both of you played professional sports and got paid you gave the example of matt light even though he wasn't on your pro team right um, but there are players next to you, Theo, there's players to your left and right, even on, you know, your forward lines with you, right? You guys stay in lines in hockey or your linemen with you and some are getting paid more, some are getting paid less for the skeptic who's hearing what you, what you just shared, uh, Chucky, right. And says, well, but, but, but college athletes, even before they were, they were paid this way, they were getting treated differently because, some had greater cameras in their faces or some had more of, you know, the boosters being really interested in them and patting them on the back. My reaction as a person who's never played professionally would say the camaraderie that I felt with my teammates without there being payment involved at all. I didn't mind that someone got a little more accolades in terms of just our playing abilities and, you know, things of that nature. There was a, because we knew there are roles, right? Like, I knew I was the guy who dove on the floor for loose balls and I could get people riled up and stuff like that and get rebounds and get the rest of the team going in a hype type of way. 
it didn't matter that that someone else could score more points, let's say, or could dribble and break someone down. So, so you even though there was that separation, um, you felt in terms of maybe how like a fan or something would look at us, you felt part of this team. Can you talk as pros? And you, you touched on it a little bit, both of you. When there's that separation in payment, what does it do to break up the camaraderie a little bit and not make it feel like you're all part of the same team? I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, thinking about what the perception of what college players were getting before all of this and what they're getting now. A lot of times people think, oh, you know, college athletes are treated special. I, I remember speaking at a college a couple of years ago and one a student, she said, well, football players, they get everything anyway. They get this, they get that. And I said, time out. Have you ever played college football? She said, well, obviously not. I said, so how do you know that? Well, my friend told me. So your friend told you a story. You have no clue what it's like. Matter of fact, I'm going to say this on the record for the whole world to hear. In the five years I was on scholarship at Purdue, the only benefit I ever got was mozzarella, free mozzarella sticks from Arby's. <laughs> One time. And I never got paid in anything. So oh, we get grades. I failed two classes that I had to repeat. I, had to, I was a junior having to sit in study hall with freshmen. I've never been treated special. And I played, I played with a Heisman Trophy, two-year Heisman Trophy candidate, and he didn't get anything. And so this story about what it's like to be playing college football, everyone out there who's listening to this, who, who, only, who their only source for information about sports is the media, the media sells stories. You don't know what you don't know. And the thing is, the kid, all college football players that on scholarship have been getting paid something. Maybe they're not getting the millions of dollars that the people on the pros are. Maybe the percentage of the, what they're getting is much lower than what the school's getting. But the thing is, this is this was a system that those who invented and created, established NCAA put into place. And here's the thing is, with what's happening now, that's the death of the NCAA as you've known it. It's not what it used to be. We can't even compare it anymore because it's, because so many more dynamics coming into it. From a mental health standpoint, we already suffer as a as a global society of people feeling less than because they're comparing themselves to the stories that the media is telling them. And so the thing is now you're having that at an even deeper level, at a micro level, where it's happening within the locker room between kids who ain't who aren't even 20 yet, who are now suffering because they feel they're not good enough, the same way that somebody who's in their job and they've been doing it for 15 years, now they're starting to uh you know, experience the negative side of it decades before they're before they're supposed to. Like to me, I you think oh, kids are supposed to be carefree. This is where you know it's really my heart and soul in this. I'm not playing this because of money. I'm playing this because this is who I am. Well, that's dead. It's not going to happen anymore. Now it's for many people, and not just the kids, the parents of these kids. If you imagine the pressure that some of these people who are really good at, at their sport in high school. And the pressure they're going to receive from their parents. You want to talk about recruiting scandals? You've seen nothing until you see it. What's about to happen here in the next ten years? So, so transition it because what you just shared, like my mind immediately went to Theo. What was the value of your contract that you signed with the uh, Rangers? <laughs> yeah, but I earned it, right? No question. No question. I spent. I spent. You know what? 11, 12 years building to that point. Okay. And, you know, when the Rangers signed me, 
you know, I was a winner, right? I had proven in the 12 years of my career that I was going to average at least 30 to 40 goals a year, get 80 to 100 points. And, you know, I, I, I had a World Junior, a Turner Cup, a Stanley Cup, a Canada Cup already on my resume when I got there. So I earned that money. Ultimately, why do we put our kids in sports? First, first and foremost, we put our kids in sports to create quality human beings, not professional athletes, right? That's the first and foremost. And hopefully along the way, they pick up the blueprint for success that they're going to need when they're no longer playing sports to become quality human beings and uh, contribute to society, okay? And, you know, I believe that the emphasis on winning is completely gone. Nobody cares about winning anymore. Only Tom Brady, Drew Brees, who grew up in our system, right? Because if you win, you get rewarded. Now, you don't win, you don't get, you, you get rewarded for being mediocre or, or whatever, right? And so, you know, I think that sort of mentality or old school mentality is has gone to the wayside. And now we have this uh, NIL coming in and, and rewarding kids for maybe, maybe, you know? And, and we're rewarding them, not, not for, but we're not re reward, rewarding them because they're really good on social media. Right. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> what their reach is, who their father is, what their social media is. And Theo, where was, you actually were, were, were you know, pat, padding the point that I was trying to make, which was you worked to get there over many years. You got this big contract with the Rangers. Now, also with that being said, if you don't mind opening up a little bit about this, because you you saw this when you were coming in and you won a cup in your rookie year and you were making less than the guy who was making a lot is, let's be honest about it, because I'm not a, a professional player, I'm projecting here, but my guess would be when you're on a team with guys where the pay discrepancy is different, even when in a case like you're talking about, Theo, where a guy has earned it, there are other cases where also guys earn it and then they they coast for a while but the, but the point is in professional sports because there's these different tiers of what guys get paid would you both agree that it's a little bit more difficult obviously coach plays a big part gm plays a big part but it's a little more difficult to have a team that does what you just said theo which is making it about the win making it about all going for one goal when guys are getting paid different amounts and doing what chucky just said comparing to one another Patrick Mahomes has won one Super Bowl, okay? There's lots of guys that have won one Super Bowl, okay? Tom Brady's got seven, and why isn't he the highest-paid athlete on the team? Because he's a fucking team guy. He's going to take less so they can spend more on more talent so that he can win more championships, right? That's, that's the old-school mentality. Drew Brees, similar guy. Peyton Manning, similar guy. You know what I mean? And and those guys are few and far between now that enter professional sports. You know, LeBron should have more championships, but it's about LeBron. LeBron only cares about cares about LeBron. And when you listen to him talk after he wins championships, I don't like the guy, you know, because of the way he talks, you know? And 
every team that I played on where guys were making lots of money, we took care of the guys that were less fortunate. So if we went out for dinner, the fourth line guy wasn't going to pay for dinner. I was paying for his dinner. If we went out and had a few beers and a few drinks, that guy wasn't reaching for his wallet ever. That's what I mean about this whole, you know, mentality is that, yeah, you know, I'm fortunate. I know that I've worked hard, but I don't need fucking $8 million a year. I don't need it. And if there's guys on my team that are fighting every night and playing on the fourth line and putting their bodies on the line, they aren't paying for anything when I'm out with them. And that's you being a good person and being a good teammate and being old school. I, I think, you know, what I'm also hearing, though, is that's not the case <laughs> many of the times, unfortunately. And I, and some and something it's not and something to look out for with the change what we're talking about is what are college athletes going to have to think about now what do we want the college counselors to think about right now the coaches to think about right now and and and, and as a coach that's your that's your hardest that's your hardest job is to get these new athletes to work hard every single day that every game is the most important game you cannot take any nights off you know what i mean and if you got a kid who's got an nal nil deal well now he's got access to two million dollars do you know who's coming at him every tom dick and harry that's ever had any association with this kid and saying hey man i'm broke i need some money so he's not focusing on what he's supposed to be doing you know He's a business within the bigger business. And when that happens, team is like out the door, out the window. And so it transitions to our next question, Chucky, which we wanted to tackle, which is, okay, we're talking about the dynamic between player to player and how that's going to be changed in a big way. Now let's talk about the dynamic between player and coach, right? Like my mind goes to as a fan, why did Nick Saban work in college, but not as much in pro, right? Like maybe Dave wants that in a similar way, right? Um, you know, there's so many examples of that where, you know, coaches, you know, in, in basketball, I know he's a little bit controversial, but a Rick Pitino, uh, more success in college than, than in pros. It's because these guys, I believe men and women were not getting paid. So you're listening to the coach because it's an all in it together. And how do I follow this gentleman, this woman to get to this next place because I want to win. I want to be part of this winning culture. I want to learn from this person and I want to go to the next level. Don't you think that's going to take a huge hit right now? Feel kind of touched on it, but you know, Chucky, your relationship with your coach, which you've from the time we've been friends, you've waxed poetic about him every time we've spoken, how much he meant to you. Do you think players are able at all these levels that are going to get paid to have that same type of relationship with their coaches? Absolutely not. There's no way. I, I, I mean, can't say there's no way, but if I'm a betting man, I'm going to say no. Because the biggest thing about my relationship with Danny Hope and with Joe Tiller, you know, guys I played for, Bill Cower, even though I was getting paid to play for Bill Cower, it's the same dynamic. And that for me, I look to them to help me reach my potential show me how to be successful. Here's the psychological, you know, thing that'll screw you up inside is this 18 year old kid who's making $2. He thinks he knows. He thinks he's successful. He thinks he's the man. What are you going to tell me? 
I make more than you, coach. What are you going to tell me? You can't tell me anything. Forget it. I'm not playing. And, and I'm going to make you beg me to, to play. But you got to do it my way, coach. And this is what you're dealing with. Because we deal with this at the professional level in, in, at different ends of the spectrum all the time. Whether you're talking about, you know, um, and no disrespect to my, you know, Steelers frat brothers, but whether you're talking about Antonio Brown in, in Oakland or some of the, the challenges that Le'Veon Bell has faced in his in, in running his personal business, which is himself. And so all of a sudden, you're going to get this at a level with kids who don't even have as much, as much wisdom as Bell and Brown because That's they're yeah. adults. Those guys are adults. Okay, they're were you, were you and Theo, were you and Theo are saying? Because I want you to continue to chuck, Chucky, but I just want to, I want to uh, show the parallels of the points because Theo said, "Why do we have our kids play sports, right? And and we want them to become better humans and better individuals. Once you break down that relationship that can happen in the college level, where let's be honest, a seventeen-year-old, an eighteen-year-old." You know, we were all 17 and 18 at one time. We know how different we were then versus we are now. I think some of us are still growing up. But 17, 18 years old, the brain's not fully developed. You need that direction. And what you're bringing up right now, um, Chucky, is I'm the man. I'm getting paid this amount. What do I need to listen to this person for? And by the way, look, we have relationships with the counselors, the doctors, right, who are on campus, the counsel, the, 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 the school psychologists, sports psychologists, there's 50 different Division One campuses that have a sports psychologist right now. It's going to be very difficult to get these kids to listen to the coach, to the authority figure, because they think, what do I have to learn right now? And that's scary to me. I mean, that that's, that's one of the biggest issues. It, it kind of undoes a lot of the reasons why parents got their kids into sports in the first place. And that is to, you know, one of the biggest benefits to playing sports, no matter what sport it is, no matter what gender you are, when we talk about team sports, is learning how to build rapport and work together towards a common goal. But the thing is, now the goal for somebody who's getting paid because they got X amount of people following them on Instagram or they have X amount of likes on their Facebook page, now all of a sudden that becomes the objective. And that's a very from a, using sports terminology, it's a very selfish thing that, you know, how many people you got on Instagram has nothing to do whether we beat Iowa on Saturday or not. It has nothing to do with it. And not only that, if your, your Instagram is not going to help the receiver catch the ball better, and it's not going to help the corner cover that receiver any different. So what difference does it make as it pertains to us winning? If we win, that's going to put you as an athlete into the spotlight. You know, if you if, if Drew Brees takes Purdue with first Big Ten title in 34 years, first trip to the Rose Bowl since 1967, all eyes on Drew, and that and so because he he showed what I call he showed and proved over the course of four years, he showed and proved that he was the real deal. He was a quarterback, and so there's you know there's a market for people who do what he does, and so how do you get into that market? How do you get the opportunity by showing? that you know how to lead your team. But you're not leading a team when your objective is, oh, you know, if I get to, if I get to a million uh, Instagram followers, there's this deal waiting for me. The thing is, there's only 24 hours in a day. There's only one you, and you only have so much mental and emotional energy to expend. If your focus is on Instagram, if your focus is on TikTok, then that's energy that could have gone to helping us win. 
It could have gone to helping us win, but no, instead you made an extra 50 grand. So I guess we, as your teammates should just shut up and be happy for you. And, and there, look, the, the social media piece, which we're going to dive more into in the next question, but what, where my mind goes to with that is, okay, kids, you could argue if someone was playing devil's advocate with our argument here, well, these kids are on social media anyway, they're checking one person's follows to another. That being said, the comparison level now gets put on steroids, right? And why is that? I'm, I'm going to hopefully say something that's not offensive in any way that's that's neutral across the board. Zach Wilson, my favorite team, the Jets, right? I have female friends who saw that he was drafted, and they're like, that's a good-looking kid, right? Like, that kid plays a certain part, plays a certain role. Like, we could see how he would be marketable. The same way there are women in athletics. So you could say, those are good-looking women. So I want to share this across the board in all cases. Now, all of a sudden, you start looking at those social media followings where, okay, a certain player didn't play that well or isn't that big a part of their team, but they have X number of followers, and because of X number of followers, they're getting paid a certain amount more. Now the comparison of, wait a second, you know, do I look as good as that guy, as that girl? Wait a second, why am I not making as much as them? I thought When I look at myself in the mirror, I look at, it seems like I'm as good looking as that kid, Zach Wilson, right? And and I know I'm getting into the intricacies of the, of like the real, you know, Chucky, we talk about like the, the press box view versus the, the line of scrimmage. That's the real line of scrimmage type of stuff. But that's the stuff we got to talk about. That's what's going to be going on between these kids' heads. Yes, Theo. So how many athletes on the planet have made more from their endorsement deals than their actual salary in the NFL and in NBA, NHL? Like maybe 10, less than 10. So the kid who's getting the $2 million NIL deal is this potential superstar. He's going to make more by focusing on his college career to get to the NBA level because that's where the pot of gold is. It's not the $2 million deal with some obscure fucking app, you know, uh, web app or whatever. So if I was advising him, I would say, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. My ultimate goal is to get to the NBA to make the most amount of money I can to win championships, etc. Right? You know, and you think Tiger Woods was focused on money? Not a chance. That guy was focused on breaking Jack Nicholas's records. And he knew that if he broke all Jack's Nick Nicholas records, the money would take care of itself. And he was a college athlete. Yep. Tiger was a college athlete who did I'm not get paid. Tiger have made. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> you know. Seriously. <laughs> you know, and it, it well, that- I, I think we're, you know, it, it's almost the perfect storm right now because of the rise of social media, right? That we can look at that first week and I give the deal that the twins got. And you can say, because of the size of your social media following, you're going to get a certain amount of interest from these corporate partners, right? Because you're essentially, you're a billboard for them, right? And, and regardless of how you play, um, companies are going to be obviously you're more valuable when you play better but hey if you have the followers and people like other things about you they like that after a game you get on and you start talking about it or you you, you're going out to a certain club after a game and people think that's a cool lifestyle or whatever it is 
that's what people follow on social media. And, yeah, and the, the, the problem there, though, is that's not sports. Right. No, no, that's what I mean. And the, 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 yeah. re, the reason why you're on that college team is because of what you did on the field, what you did on the ice, what you did on the gridiron. That's why you're there. And all, all this NIL, NIL situation is done is made a situation where that athlete is going to be distracted. And so all of a sudden, you think you're giving you $2 million. You know what they're buying? Your time and your attention. That's what they're buying, is your time, your attention to serve their agenda. But you came into, when you were playing sports, you had your own agenda. And your agenda was to be Jordan. It was to be Kobe. It was to be Mario. It was to be Wayne Gretzky. It was to be the best you could be. And now they got you focused on some BS because at the end of the day, okay, if I made $2 million for four years in college and I don't go to the pros, then that's all you get. That's all you get. And so to me, would I, so would I sacrifice being as good as Tiger Woods? And so just think about, I don't know how much money Tiger Woods has. Just know what he's done and what he does for a living. And you can imagine what I traded Tiger's money for $8 million right now. Hell no, I would never. <laughs> no way. Matter of fact, I will sleep in my locker if, if, if I can get Tiger's money. I'll sleep in my locker for five years. But no, now they're dangling something shiny. It's like, hey, look, look up. Ooh, you want a new Tesla? Ooh, look, look, I got a Tesla for you. Ooh, oh, yeah. You want some new Jordans? These Jordans even, it's, it, it's distraction. It's distraction. It's like a, it's like cheese and a mousetrap. And so now the it's it leave forget it's and that's not to say that the the businesses or sponsors are wrong because they're running their business, they're running their agenda, and this is America. They got every right to do that. So here's the thing: it created a choice for the athlete to make. Now you've got to make a choice about your life. Now, because in taking this money. Oh, I got two million dollars. Yeah, I got a nice car. I don't. I can go to the mall, buy whatever I want. I can go out to eat. I don't have to worry about nothing financially. But what are you? What is the sponsor getting in return from you? Your attention, your energy, your time, and those things you can't put a price on. Well, and it's and taking away your focus from actually why you're actually in college in the first place. It, exactly. We do these things called same here sit downs, right? Theo's been to them with me at Denver and and all these different colleges. Chucky's gonna be coming to them with us. What's the one thing we hear from college athletes all the time? I don't have enough time. <laughs> How am I gonna fit doing mental health work into my schedule? I, I'm already yeah. so strong out with with schoolwork and with 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 doing weight training and with doing video and and going to practice. Now all of a sudden, yeah. So, and so what's that company want? Right, exactly. They want they want a big chunk of that. And what happens, what happens when you're under pressure? Oh, stress. And what happens when you're under stress over long periods of time? You, you end up like we did. <laughs> you end up like the Joker, like Joaquin Phoenix in that Joker movie. That's what you're going to end up like. And so to me, I mean, metaphorically speaking, the thing is, it creates another, it, it, you know, we hear college athletes, complain and i use that word intentionally complain about what they're dealing with the pressure i don't have time you think this money's going to change that it's going to intensify that 
to the level that you can't even imagine right now. Now the thing, it, it, you know, you, you, you know, you look at most people don't haven't been in, in the type of context, context and circumstance that Theo and I have been in. Like you don't understand pressure, you know, that winner go home. Like when it's winner go home, I ain't talking about the playoffs. I'm talking about your job. Like, you know, if it's like every day, somebody like literally, you know how many guys in the locker room, when you twist, twist your anchor, hope you never come back. And, but they're, they're your buddies and they are your friends. But the thing is, they got objectives too. They got things that they want to get. And the minute you tear your ACL in their mind, they're saying, yes, yes. Now it's my turn. And the thing is, you can't make the club in the tub. If you hurt, they will replace you. They will replace you. So that's the pressure. What happens when you're in the NCAA tournament and, and, and your school's never been this far and you're the guy? That's pressure. And if you lose, if you, you think they're talking about you on social media now, wait till you lose. Then, then we're going to see what your social media following is like. And so these, these are challenges that college athletes are now going to have to deal with men and women. I went to Purdue and there's, a, you know, the, the best team we had at our school was that women's basketball team with Stephanie White, Yukari Figs, and, and Katie Douglas, some of the best women's college boss, basketball players you've ever seen. And the thing is, and then these are people that were the same age as me, they're at the same time as me, and I never seen athletes with that kind of focus, drive, and desire to be the best. And if, and if all of a sudden you're throwing money in their face, I don't know what they would have done. But I know this, if they would have been distracted, they wouldn't have been able to beat Pat Summit at home. Then I was there when they beat Tennessee, when nobody could beat Tennessee. Hey, you don't do those thing, kind of things when you're thinking about, hmm, how can I slide into this girl's DMs on Instagram? Don't you know who I am? Didn't you see me playing against Eastern Michigan or whoever? Like, come on, man, focus now. Because the money that you see in the future, if we can keep our maintain our emotional discipline, keep our focus on the task it's in front of us. That $2 million, you can keep that in a little uh, change tray in your car. That's how much money you'll have if you focus now. And even even to be fair, Chucky, even the because I'm th- I'm thinking of sports. I know you push me all the time for everyone. Uh, Chucky and I have side conversations when I'm like, yeah, well, there's some guys who won't make it pro, and you say, well, that's their choice because they're not pushing themselves. If they made it out, that's their goal, and they're going that hard. Let's take a sport like you know uh, water polo, where it's hard to go pro in, right? Um, even if you push yourself. I think what we're trying to say is when we're when we're sharing all these social media examples, still same type of thing. Even even if you can't chase, it's Chucky's point saying the money later on down the road, the distractions and what it's going to do to mental health now of people on social media of trying to get that bigger deal is really going to hurt it. And, and, and again, we're not in this place to say yes or no. We're saying now that it's in place, it's going to hurt. And Darren wanted to bring us bring up bring us to bring up an interesting point within social media as we kind of round the turn here and it, and it's something in in true darren fashion right like who thinks about these things on social media darren does because he lives in the thing all day so not only the money piece of it but now let's talk about teammate interaction when it comes to okay 
Drew Brees has 1.2 million followers. I'm a lineman. I've got 7,000 followers. Yo, Drew, can I take a picture with you? Put it online. Yo, when I tweet something out, do you mind retweeting it for me? Um, hey, when we're going out to the club, I want you to come out with me tonight. I want you to take pictures and share it because I really need some help getting my numbers up, right? Talk about another pressure that comes on top of just the money comparisons. Now, social media becomes a tool for commerce for these guys and these women. And now all of a sudden that breaks down relationships more because people's fangs come out when things like that start to happen. And it's like, whoa, we're teammates. We're going for the same goal. What, what are you talking about here? You you really want me to take a picture with you? You really want me to retweet this thing because it's gonna it's gonna help your profile and help you make money. And it goes back to what Theo was saying. Like, yeah, it's nice when you have that team that you know does what Theo did, where the, the guys who are paid the most help everyone else out. At 17, 18 years old, and and in this new world that we're in right now, that's not going to be the norm of what happens. You're going to have guys who do who are will be happy to retweet their teammate stuff. We'll probably even make that a habit. That hey, if it's if he's talking about our squad, I'm going to put it out there. The thing is, the whole the, the issue is the conversation itself is that this conversation isn't even happening. And because we should be focusing on executing. If if you're not if you're not one of the guys that's getting paid, you know theoretically you should be focusing on getting better at your sport. The bottom the reason you're not making as much as the guy in the locker next to you is because maybe at some point in the past he was more focused on his ability in the sport than you were. And now you should you're looking at what he has as opposed to what he did to get what he has. And so the, the thing the thing is, that person getting paid is actually could potentially, this is all potential, I don't know, is could potentially be hurting the athletic development of those around him because they're focused on what he has instead of the work he's put in to earn the right to for the NIL opportunity. Well, comparison so to me. Comparison is a cancer, right? Like, let's be frank about it. Like, comparison, Theo, we talk about this in mental health all the time when it's like, my trauma is worse than their trauma. I'm more of a victim, right? Or it's putting people into separate buckets, and then it's so hard to move forward. The examples that you're giving, Chucky, right now are just, it's comparison on top of comparison. It's comparison steroids, right? And and it's just, to, to get to this place now where we're here already, it's going to happen. But what it, w- w- the the after effects for these kids, because they are kids, in terms of I, I, I'm thinking on that line of scrimmage level, I'm not getting as much. I'm not getting paid as much. Am I not as good looking? Do I not have the same nice dress, you know, uh, uh, clothes that that person wears? Do I not speak as clearly as they do? These are all things that they might have thought of passively before because they saw that someone had a large social media thing. But now that there's money involved, how that kind of is putting fuel on the fire and making those comparisons in those heads, it just scares the crap out of me for 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 where we're going to go with this. Yeah, absolutely. The big thing is think about the, what comes to mind to me is that this has metaphorically created the high school lunchroom all over again, the cool kids table the have the have nots and the thing is in our in our in in this country's history you know in 
Canada, you know, Canada is there, you know, these have the same dynamics. How many school shootings has that caused? Isolation, I, isolation and feeling left out. Yep. How much damage has that done to these young people's minds? That dynamic of the, the what I call the cafeteria dynamic of I'm better than you, you know, and, and the kids they're giving this money to are just removed from that, from that dynamic. That's already the world. It's, I mean, if it can cause a school shooting, imagine what it's going to do now. Well, it's, we live in a more than less than society, right? And politicians do a great job of dividing the more than less than crowd, right? Well, here's another example of them doing exactly and more that. than more than less than is what Chucky's talking about with, uh, you know, the high school lunchroom environment, right? <laughs> and, and, and what what we what we're saying is school college is still school the age of the kids and where they're at right like there's places to go if you want to earn money right like we could talk about going to the G League and stuff like that there's places not in every sport but there's places to go if you want to earn money if you don't want to go to college it's just that this is going to throw a huge lunchroom you know environment type of wrench into something where it wasn't that way, at least close to as much before. And we're fearful of the outcomes of that. And, and so as, as people who talk to athletes as our career, why are we doing the show? Because we want to put out there, we want to set, we want, we want to ring the alarm, right? We want people to know this is stuff we have to be thinking about now and not in the general sense of this is what depression is. This is what anxiety is. No, not just traditional mental health education. I'm talking about the specifics of what creating the lunchroom environment because of players getting paid is going to create these things that we just spoke about for the last hour need to be what is discussed with these, with these college athletes. Yeah, it's going to lead to different programs. Well, and, good, continue. And what does it tell you about abundance? Okay, that the world has enough for everybody. That we can pay a eighteen-year-old athlete two million dollars. Yeah. Right. Because how many kids? How many kids who have a grade twelve diploma can walk into uh, you know wherever? And get a job that pays them $2 million. That tells me that we are living in huge abundance. And that, and that you know, if we have enough money to pay a high school a kid right out of high school who's never played a college game $2 million. And we have reserves, uh, indigenous communities in Canada that don't have clean drinking water. What does that say? Mm -hmm. What does it's, that say? it's all about that almighty dollar and that and to me that you know you, people say money's the root of all evil first of all no it's not the love of money is the root of all evil that's what it said in the bible the love of money and so here's the thing is it goes back to the you know the the agenda of those that are looking to divide us whether it's politicians or other people and the thing is by making it all about the almighty dollar that's the argument they made in the supreme court is like we well, look at all the money that that the uh the NCAA is making and schools are making. Okay, with the, so what, it's only a matter of time for they make that same point about your local high school and, the, and why you should pay some 13-year-old kid. That's where we're heading because it's all about the almighty dollar. But you understand that that's not what the NCAA was about for the kids. And now you're making that about it. 
it's opening up Pandora's box. And now from a mental health and social, mental, emotional and social dynamic, it's gonna create problems that we can't even imagine right now. Just looking at the dynamics, the cafeteria dynamic, the haves and have nots, the, the focus on social media, the focus on money, they, they, literally they've destroyed what we've known college sports to be. And so it's only, it's a matter of time to see what it actually ends up evolving into. And I imagine there will be some positives for some people here. At the end of the day, though, this is the NCAA, as we've known it all these years, is dead. It's dead. This is another pro sports league, except that the difference between the haves and have nots, because even on that, that fourth line player, he was still getting paid. He just wasn't getting paid the same. But now the, the gap is way wider in college, way wider. So good luck. Good luck to everybody. And, you know, the good thing is, you know, for, for what we do is living, maybe whatever comes from this, we'll be able to help you guys out because we're going to have, it's going to take time for us as a, as a global society to get used to this. And, and the problems that come are going to be like new problems that the world may have never seen before, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, and, and it's, yeah, well, it's interesting how we get suppressed on social media, right? Is because we are an, you know, a one for all, all for one attitude, right? We don't have a, we don't have a divisive message. We have one message for all people that are having mental health challenges. You can join our team, our team, same here, global. You, we don't discriminate. We don't nothing. It's you want help. We're here and we'll help you guide you to get mm -hmm. there. That's not the message that, that, that they want. Out no. there. And I think a good way to end on, on that point is it's, it's bringing together two topics that you all brought up. The divisiveness because of the lunchroom mentality is going to be what the media plays on moving forward that's what we're going to see stories about the the juxtaposition between the haves and the have-nots how it created rifts in the locker room why certain players aren't um, playing as hard for coaches as as you know the, their predecessors that came before them and and it's scary and to, and and theo you know thank you for bringing up the concept of what same years for yes it sucks we get suppressed but we're not going to stop talking about this collectively. All of us are out there. We're boots on the ground. We're at these colleges. We're at these offices. We're at these K through 12s, whatever the social media does, because we have a message of inclusion that we all are in this together. And, you know, I think to, to, to look at it that way, it's a great way to end right here. And I hope people continue to stay with us and continue to be part of this. Cause as Theo says, you know, once once you become a part of the team, you never want to leave. <laughs> That's what it feels like to be a part of the team like this. You never want to leave. So on behalf of Theo, Darren, who unfortunately couldn't make it today, but hopefully we did him justice with NIL, Chucky Akobe, Eric Houston here. Thank you for joining us for another episode of We're All a Little Crazy, and we will see you next week. You just heard We're All a Little Crazy, brought to you by the hashtag Seen Here Global Mental Health Movement and the Hockey Podcast Network.